Thank you for listening to The Barbershop. I want to take this opportunity to ask for your support. The Barbershop is a black-owned media property that exists exclusively for the political, social, and cultural benefit of black people. I'll run it myself. The website, the articles, the writing and recording of all the shows, and the post-editing. It's all done by yours truly. I ask that you do your part and support black media, something that's desperately needed. You can do so by becoming a supporter of the podcast. Just hit the support button at the top of the page uh, and you're done. Also, please subscribe to the show. It really helps. I'm on iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Lastly, I want to hear what you have to say. You can now leave me a message by clicking on the message button at the top and I will play it on the next episode. So how likely is it that there will be a military coup after the 2024 elections if Donald Trump doesn't win? Some U.S. generals have been in the media saying that it definitely is a possibility. We'll talk about it. There's an article online explaining how whites can build more trust amongst their black pets. I mean, black people. This is dangerous. And I'm going to explain why on this episode. And lastly, the little trashy, racist, bigoted governor out of Florida, Ron DeSantis, is using legislation to prevent discussion of systemic racism in the classroom. What are the implications? All of this after the break. Barbershop. Greetings, and thank you for listening to The Barbershop. During this quick break, I want to ask you to seriously consider supporting this podcast by way of financial contribution. I don't have the financial support of the white podcasters, people like Joe Rogan, who's currently worth over $100 million. I choose to podcast as an unapologetic black person for the benefit of black people. This is the only media property that critiques the racist society we live in in a way that's uncomfortable for racists and constructive for black people. This is a space where we can have honest conversations about our thoughts and feelings without repercussions from the hostile racists who currently dominate. This is the only space where practical and constructive solutions are given to black people to drastically improve quality of life, despite what racist whites may have to say about it. Now, if you support the idea of black people standing up and breaking the foot that continues to cast its shadow of oppression, then support the barbershop. If you support the idea of black people creating our own institutions, our own towns with our own businesses, schools, churches, and hospitals, our own media, film, television, and music, then support the barbershop. If you support the idea of black people being independent from white people, this means being able to feed, educate, employ, and defend ourselves. Support the barbershop. You can support by clicking on the support button at the top of the page and contributing a monthly donation. Now, if you don't support these values and if you don't want to support the show, then I'll quit doing this podcast and look for a lucrative deal from white people to give their talking points and support their narratives and sell out my own people like the rest of the black negro media elite thank you
schools are closing, but there's a lot of agita still about textbooks and lesson plans. Here's some tape from Fox News. Critical race theory is racist. These theories that are not based in fact. CRT is racist. It is abusive. Critical race theory is the newest manufactured wedge issue, and it's following a pattern we've seen with others recently. A cultural squall pops up, gets amplified on cable news, and turns into a political storm. NPR's Barbara Sprunt is going to take us through how an obscure academic theory now has parents laying siege to school board meetings. And she joins us now. Hi, Barbara. Good morning. We need to start with what critical race theory is and what it is not. Because they are very different things. Um, Mm. In the late 70s, early 80s, legal scholars developed an academic approach that examines American institutions and laws through the lens of race and racism. So it's been around for decades, and it's used in postgraduate studies. But many Republicans and right-wing media have co-opted this term, and they're using it as a catch-all way of describing basically any conversation about race or racism that may Makes white people uncomfortable. So conversations about white privilege, having dialogues about anti-racism, these have all been branded falsely as critical race theory. In September of 2020, President Trump issued the Executive Order on Combating Race and Sex Stereotyping, which President Biden has rescinded. Trump's EO didn't actually mentioned critical race theory then, even in the sections specifying what shouldn't be taught in the armed forces or at federal agencies. It has been mentioned a lot on Fox, though. It's absolutely astonishing how critical race theory has pervaded every institution in the federal government. And what I've discovered is that critical race theory has become, in essence, the default ideology of the federal bureaucracy and is now being weaponized against the American people. Now, that's uh, Christopher Rufo on September 2nd, 2020. Talk to us about his role in all this. Yeah, so Rufo is a central player in this. Um, He's a former documentarian, and he's the one who called on Trump to issue that executive order you just mentioned. And this all started in July of 2020. A Seattle City employee sent Rufo an anti-bias training that they did at work, and Rufo essentially saw it as a political opportunity to manufacture a culture war issue. And he's been transparent about that. I mean, he tweeted in March of this year that, quote, the goal is to have the public read something crazy in the newspaper and immediately think critical race theory. And he added that he's rebranding the theory and driving up negative perceptions to turn it toxic. And I mean, it's worked. I mean, you can go on Twitter and type in critical race theory and you'll see videos of hundreds of parents at school board meetings with signs saying stop critical race theory, even as the superintendents are saying, hey, this is not something that we teach. Saying critical race theory is being taught in schools is like saying electrical engineering is being taught in K through 12. It's just not happening. Hmm. But when you talk to conservative lawmakers, what are they saying? Well, the overall argument is that talking about race and racism leads to more division in an already very divided country. Byron Donalds is a Republican congressman from Florida, and he told me recently that Look, it's important to teach the full history of the country, but he thinks that the approach just further divides Americans. As a black man, I think our history has actually been quite awful. I mean, that's without question. But you also have to take into account the progression of our country, especially over the last 60 to 70 years. You'll also hear some Republican lawmakers and media outlets say, you know, this theory is unpatriotic. It tells white people that they're racist you know, just for being white, when, of course, the actual theory itself is about institutions, not individuals. Right. It's about the systems that are in play and how that has actually created more difficulties for black and brown people. But there is an actual legislative movement on this. It's not just people talking about critical race theory. They're actually legislating about it now, right? That's right. I mean, this is something where perception has led to actual movement in legislatures. Republican lawmakers in nearly two dozen states have proposed legislation that would limit how teachers can talk about race and racism in the classroom. Now, just like you pointed out earlier that Trump's executive order on this didn't actually mention critical race theory, that's the same thing that you're seeing here on the state level. Only a handful of these bills explicitly mention critical race theory, but they're moving forward regardless. 
As we've discussed, uh, critical race theory is a technical term. It's sort of a framework for graduate programs. So money isn't being spent on it in public grade schools, you know, teaching it to young people. But that doesn't seem to stop people getting upset. Exactly. I mean, this is a perfect culture war issue. Unlike issues like taxes or foreign policy, this is something that strikes people at their very identity. And that's what makes it an effective political strategy, to be honest. I spoke with Christine Matthews. Uh, She's the president of Bellwether Research and a public opinion pollster. And she says there's evidence that Republican voters have been responding much more to culture issues and that this issue could impact turnout in next year's midterm elections. I think it's just one more addition to the culture war that the Republicans really want to fight. And Republicans are wanting to make this about othering the Democrats and making them seem as extreme and threatening to white culture as possible. And I guess that brings us right back to the uh, right-wing media ecosystem, because it's easier to conflate anything related to race with critical race theory, especially if you don't understand what it is. Exactly. And from a messaging perspective, critical race theory is easy to use and is being used as an umbrella term to cover all sorts of white grievances about how society is talking about anti-racism, you know, particularly in the year following the murder of George Floyd. And Matthew says that talk news can really keep this issue top of mind for voters, even though the midterms are over a year away. That's the job of Fox News is to keep these cultural polarizing topics front of mind. And so for the base and for the people that say Fox News reaches, they can keep it alive if they want to. And it seems like they want to. Um, A study from Media Matters, a left-leaning nonprofit, recently found that nearly 1,300 mentions of critical race theory were on Fox News over a a three-and-a-half-month period. Wow. Another, you know, important factor in this is the role of social media. Experts I spoke with said this is just another prime example of something that gets posted on Facebook and just takes on a life of its own. And if that's where people are getting their information, their news, they're going to be getting a lot of misinformation. That's NPR's Barbara Sprunt. Thank you very much. Thank you. Welcome back. You're in the barbershop. Glad to have you here. So some U.S. generals have been making the rounds in the press uh, explaining how likely it is that a coup will occur after the 2024 elections. (laughs) You see, for years, uh, we've been talking about the possibility of a civil war in this country. Uh, January 6th, okay, wasn't a surprise to us. But none of the so-called good whites saw it coming. Yeah, okay, whatever. Another example of white people covering for each other. But whatever. Whatever. Anyway, the generals believe that a coup is definitely possible. If there is a coup, uh, in my opinion, it could mark the start of civil war in this country. See, it really pisses me off. It pisses your host off that People are so surprised by all of this. Anyone that learned any Civil War history and Reconstruction history knows that the South was never really beaten. Sure, they signed a peace treaty. Oh, yeah. But they never was psychologically beaten. What do I mean? See, these crackers have been allowed to romanticize about the old South. When the niggers knew their place, they were able to use the state and federal government to continue treating black people as something less than white, as something less than human, despite the 13th, 14th and 15th Amendments, all of which came out of the uh, result of the Civil War. You see, in their little white trash infested minds, they never lost a war. And the war never really ended. The battlefield just changed. It went from the actual battlefield to the legislature and courtrooms in this country. January 6th was just the acting out friend of white anxiety because despite the fact that they are all dominant 
in all areas of activity, the perception of not being dominant to an acceptable extent has them very anxious. January 6th, okay? January 6th was just the acting out of white anxiety because despite the fact that they are dominant in all areas of activity, the perception of not being dominant to an acceptable extent, to them anyway, has them very anxious. But why do these generals believe a coup to be possible? Why is that? Never mind what I say, because I'm just a dumb, no good, cotton-picking nigga, right? So what do these general, uh, these white generals, these white gods have to say about this? Did you know that over 100 generals contested the 2020 presidential election? No, nah, you didn't know it. Well, guess what? You know it now. This is what these generals are saying. And this is what has them worried. Because when military leaders are contesting the legitimacy of constitutionally backed elections, a document they serve in the name of, what stops the rank and file, my beautiful black friend, from getting their guns and going out in the streets to end what their little warped, misinformed minds perceive as corruption? This is why I keep telling you, get arms training. Buy an alarm system for your home, nigga. Practice what-if scenarios with your family. You have to start planning for chaos and unruliness. Don't be like our ancestors of the past, not able to put up a fight and getting ran the fuck out of town. Men up, Pierce City, Decatur, Indiana, South Lake, Texas, Harrison, Arkansas, nigga, Forsyth County, Georgia, and Tulsa, just to name a few. Learn from your past and learn your history, nigga. Be right back. Greetings, and thank you for listening to The Barbershop. During this quick break, I want to ask you to seriously consider supporting this podcast by way of financial contribution. I don't have the financial support of the white podcasters, people like Joe Rogan, who's currently worth over $100 million. I choose to podcast as an unapologetic black person for the benefit of black people. This is the only media property that critiques the racist society we live in in a way that's uncomfortable for racists and constructive for black people. This is a space where we can have honest conversations about our thoughts and feelings without repercussions from the hostile racists who currently dominate. This is the only space where practical and constructive solutions are given to black people to drastically improve quality of life, despite what racist whites may have to say about it. Now, if you support the idea of black people standing up and breaking the foot that continues to cast its shadow of oppression, then support the barbershop. If you support the idea of black people creating our own institutions, our own towns with our own businesses, schools, churches, and hospitals, our own media, film, television, and music, then support the barbershop. If you support the idea of black people being independent from white people. This means being able to feed, educate, employ, and defend ourselves. Support the barbershop. You can support by clicking on the support button at the top of the page and contributing a monthly donation. Now, if you don't support these values, and if you don't want to support the show, then I'll quit doing this podcast and look for a lucrative deal from white people to give their talking points and support their narratives and sell out my own people like the rest of the black Negro media elite. 
Thank you. produced by yours truly in order to keep this thing going i need your support make sure you donate the donate button is at the top also you can now leave a voice message with questions and or comments about any of the topics discussed on the show just click on the message button at the top thanks for listening Welcome back. You're in the barbershop. There's an article in the uh, Chicago Sun-Times talking about how whites can build more trust amongst black people. Now, in this article, the word reparations is not mentioned once, not one time. But yet the article is talking about how to build trust amongst black people very interesting all right and i question its sincerity but not one time is the word is the word reparations mentioned our so-called allies okay our so-called allies are quick to throw out the word equity and how we can get more equity amongst the races and blah 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 uh but they never advocate they never advocate for the one thing that will truly bring about real equity but anyway the article gives uh some very interesting suggestions (laughs) to whites it says that black people now this is what this is what the article says. It says that black people are more likely to trust white people who are transparent and share some of their own journey regarding racial identity, awareness and privilege. Okay? Now see, this uh to me just sounds like negroes being happy to have a white audience. Niggas getting off on and being satisfied with white people listening to them bitch and moan 
about how they're being mistreated. They don't care about how hard you've had it in their racist system. They don't care about how you're underpaid uh, or how you can barely afford to put food on your table for your family. Or about your miserable nigger children being shot dead in the street. They don't care. So what the fuck are we going to do about this? Stop wishing on a fucking star that white people will feel your pain and change. It's not going to happen. Take it from Uncle Cobra, nigga. It is not going to happen. The article goes on to say that uh, white people who are trusted also tend to be cognizant of the power dynamics inherent within their relationships with a student supervisee or mental health client who is a racial minority. See, this is them talking amongst themselves on how to better deceive you. This article is very important. They want you to trust them. But in trusting, they are not willing to do the right thing. They are looking for ways to avoid doing the right thing while getting while winning your trust over. So they can continue mistreating you with little to no resistance. That's deception. Huh? That is deception and it's also refinement. They are looking to be as refined in their practice of racism as possible. What is refinement? Refinement is the practice of racism in the most efficient way possible. Meaning, a white person practicing racism with little to no resistance from you. Being able to practice racism at little to no cost to them. That's refinement. And this is what this is. They are looking to refine their practice of racism so that the cost for them is little to nothing. And for this to happen, you have to be fooled into thinking everything is okay. And black people trusting whites is key to this refinement goal uh, being met. It's key to them being able to achieve refinement. The article concludes um, by saying that at the heart of interracial trust is the question. Is this a white person I can share my experiences of racism with who will not attempt to explain it away? See, see, this is what I'm saying. You wanting to just talk to white people about how they're kicking our asses in all areas of human activity, economics, education, entertainment, labor, law, politics, religion, sex, and war. This is why we lose. You cannot talk away racism. You cannot pray it away. Uh, no amount of shouting or screaming will make it go away. A poem won't do it neither. How many pieces of poetry did Maya Angelou write on racism? Beautiful pieces too, but yet racism is still here. No amount of explaining your pain and suffering to whites will end their mistreatment of black people. We have to uh, take action. We have to be willing to sacrifice. We have to be willing to fight. And I don't mean metaphorically neither. You, we have to, like, you have to be willing to scratch, claw, and cheat, nigga. 
scratch, claw, and cheat. Develop a winner's mentality. Be right back. Greetings, and thank you for listening to The Barbershop. During this quick break, I want to ask you to seriously consider supporting this podcast by way of financial contribution. I don't have the financial support of the white podcasters, people like Joe Rogan, who's currently worth over $100 million. I choose to podcast as an unapologetic black person for the benefit of black people. This is the only media property that critiques the racist society we live in in a way that's uncomfortable for racists and constructive for black people. This is a space where we can have honest conversations about our thoughts and feelings without repercussions from the hostile racists who currently dominate. This is the only space where practical and constructive solutions are given to black people to drastically improve quality of life, despite what racist whites may have to say about it. Now, if you support the idea of black people standing up and breaking the foot that continues to cast its shadow of oppression, then support the barbershop. If you support the idea of black people creating our own institutions, our own towns with our own businesses, schools, churches, and hospitals, our own media, film, television, and music, then support the barbershop. If you support the idea of black people being independent from white people, this means being able to feed, educate, employ, and defend ourselves. Support the barbershop. You can support by clicking on the support button at the top of the page and contributing a monthly donation. Now, if you don't support these values, and if you don't want to support the show, then I'll quit doing this podcast and look for a lucrative deal from white people to give their talking points and support their narratives and sell out my own people like the rest of the black Negro media elite. Thank you. produced by yours truly in order to keep this thing going I need your support make sure you donate the donate button is at the top also you can now leave a voice message with questions and or comments about any of the topics discussed on the show 
just click on the message button at the top. Thanks for listening.
Welcome back. You're in the barber shop. Uh, the governor out of Florida, Ron DeSantis, is actively look uh, actively looking to undermine our ability to end this racist system permanently. And you see, this is ultimately the goal of any smart wasp. The ability to practice racism with no resistance. Again, this is refinement. So he wants to make it so that it is illegal for teachers to articulate racism in this country, in the classroom. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, if you don't understand racism, how the hell can you counter it? You see? It's like if you don't understand a sickness, how can you treat it? But yes, friends, uh, he wants to handicap the future generations so that they cannot even articulate how they are being mistreated. This is a smart, dangerous cracker. Dangerous cracker. Because he's smart. And uh, he sees the long game. A very smart, educated, but a cracker. Nevertheless, very dangerous. So, what does this proposed piece of legislation actually do? It would allow parents to sue K through 12 schools if teachers mention the fact that systemic racism exists in America. And they will also be able to recover attorney fees spent if they win. Now you see, uh, of course, you know, Florida is a red state. Um, it has a cracker led cracker ran legislative body. So this thing will likely pass. Uh, and you know what? Many other states in this country are probably working on similar pieces of legislation. The civil war never ended folks. The battlefield just changed. When will we learn and accept this as fact? When will we learn? The battlefield never, the battlefield has changed. That's it. I would advise all of you to go back and um, go over Civil War history, but also go over very thoroughly reconstruction history as well because you will see an emerging pattern that continues up to this day white people depending heavily on the law depending heavily on courts to continue their practice of racism uh, while also doing everything they can to refine their practice. All right. To make it so that it is as easy as possible to practice racism. So the crackers in the South, they lost the civil war. All right. Very bloody, very costly. That was the cost of practicing racism in a very overt kind of a way. So what they learned was they learned to scheme. They learned to scheme. They learned to practice racism in the shadows. Just they they learned from the bloody civil war. Family against family. Brother against brother. Fighting. Killing over niggas. These crackers said, oh, no, nah, it has to be a better way to mistreat these niggers. There has to be a better way to get these niggers to do our bidding without all of the bloodshed, without all of the lives lost. And they figured they figured it out to a great extent. Oh, they're willing to give some concessions here and there. 
All right, the smart ones anyway. They will put up with a so-called black president as long as one of his parents uh, were white. They will put up with a black president as long as they still control the system. President Obama was not proof of racism ending. President Obama was not proof that racism ended. But that's how they were trying to spin it in the beginning when he won. We supposedly had entered a time in which we were all living, you know, in a post-racial society. Oh, it's post-racial. There's a black person as president. Oh, man. See, they're willing to give those concessions because ultimately one black person cannot stop uh, the, uh, this racist system. President Obama, as one person, obviously, okay, cannot end systemic racism. Not, not even possible. All right? It's not possible by any means. Okay? But he aids in their deceptive practice of it because many people thinking uh, well many people seeing a black person in the white house to them that indicated that racism was dead that's except that's deception racism was not and is not dead but that's what i mean when i say the system uh has been refined because in the 1930s, it would not have been accepted for a black person to own a fucking gas station, let alone uh, be president of the United States. OK, but as time moves along, they realize how to fool us and deceive us so that they're able to refine their practice more and more. And this idea has yielded great results for these bigots. For these racists marching with black people is a form of deception and it contributes to their refinement efforts holding hands with you at the Trayvon Martin rally <laughs> at the George Floyd Memorial sitting there passing you Kleenexes and shit as you cry, cry me a river, cry me a river, cry, cry. Yeah, see, they like all that. Oh, nigga. Oh, they they eat it up. You sitting here crying, thinking you have an ally. Oh, Mar Marsha understands. She listens. She listens. They go, fuck Marsha, nigga. She's a white bitch. Fooling you practicing racism in its refined state you idiot this is why you need cobra to explain these things to you now technically i cannot say every person of european descent is racist and be accurate technically i cannot say that it's like what Dr. King said. You have to judge each person based on his, her character. But what I can say, friend, is that all white people are racist. Any white person identifying themselves as a white person is racist. That does not mean every person who looks white or every person that society generically labels as white is racist because every person that society generically labels as white, as individuals, they may not identify themselves as white. That's why you as an individual 
you have to decide on a case-by-case basis as to whether or not an individual white person in your life, at your job, your friend, if they're racist or not. You have to make that decision. You have to make that uh, analysis. And it is not correct for black people to vouch for white people. I know white people whom I necessarily, I will not call racist. But you would never hear me vouch for them. Because at any given time, that person can reveal that they're racist. That's how easy it is to not only practice racism, but how easy it is to be deceptive in this system. This is why no vouching for whites. It doesn't matter if you have a person of European descent that may not be a racist. Statistically insignificant. My attitude is, is that fuck it. They're all racist until proven otherwise. And when you find one that's not racist, so the fuck what? Too many of us are looking to go around and vouch for whites. Oh, this person's an ally. This is the spirit of this article. These whites are talking amongst themselves on how they can better convince you to trust them. But not one time are they did they throw out not one time did they throw out the idea or advocate for doing the right thing, for doing the thing that would truly bring about equity and ultimately healing reparations. Let's cut to the fucking chase. And the reason why they don't advocate for that is because that truly costs. They want you to be nice. They want you to play nice, but they don't want to sacrifice themselves, which ultimately that would have to happen. That would have to happen. Resources would have to be allocated away from whites directly to blacks. Their children would have to pay a cost. They are not trying to do that. They want to keep their advantage, folks. That's really what it comes down to. But like I said, the Civil War never ended. The battlefield just changed. When will we learn and accept this as fact? Hopefully sooner rather than later. Happy New Year to all of you. For the new year, get rid of all the negative people in your life. Only involve yourself with positivity. Leave all the trash in the garbage. This includes uh, people, music, movies, ideas, whatever, nigga. Leave all the filth behind. Get your mind right. Get your mind right. Get your fucking mind right. See a therapist. Every black person needs uh, to see a therapist. Fuck it. Every black person, nigga. I don't give a shit how much money you have, how little money you have, uh, how healthy you think you are. Nigga, you need to see a therapist at least once a month. I know this because we all share a trauma that has been passed down through the generations. All right? Husbands, love your wives. Wives, uh, wives, love your husbands. Love your children. Love your parents. Love your brothers and your sisters. Love blackness. And not, not the bullshit hippie love from the 60s, but real love. Real love. Be willing to kick ass for black people and be willing to die for black people. This is the only way, friend. Developing a fearless attitude and being bold 24 hours, seven days a week. If we can't collectively do this, then we're all dead anyway. Follow me on Twitter, at Cobras underscore shop. Also, 
don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave me a message with your thoughts and or comments. I'll play it on the next show. Till next time, God bless. This for all you play a haters who be talking that The three seats show no love, put some hurt on the trick I'm busting through the crowd wild with my Anna Can I be like quick to put two up in your like who matters Send I be the last man, last man If you think you fast man, headlines Three level up in the cast man When I look into your eyes I see a coward face to face a picture Reason why you better and here comes the two to the three and four. Three, six, mafia, you want you to wreck it all over the club floor. Throwing and throwing your sex in the air. You're bumming the tables and chairs everywhere. Trapped over by the max and the players. You standing there acting like you underwear. And I ain't saying we the hearts. Just saying you can't rock it like three, six, mafia, you can. Pull up in the trance in the prophecy van. We gon' tear the club up, get a buck to the don't stand. And now I know that you are feeling me. Every rough and tender, full of capabilities. Tell the club up, nigga, tell the club up. Tell the club up, nigga, tell the club up. Enough. We gonna get the dynamite